welcome back to the Mother Well Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley McLaughlin, and today we are going to talk about the mom bod. Everything to do with your body after you have a baby or many babies like me. I have a lot to say about your body after you have a baby. I've broken it down into seven main points and there's a lot of tips and tricks in here and very specific things that I did personally to feel at home in my body again and because it is so much more than just losing baby weight it's about creating an entirely new identity and strengthening body recomposition, pelvic floor strengthening, and just completely reinventing yourself. It's not just about how you look, it's about how you feel. Like when I'm home alone with my kids at home, I still get ready for the day. I put on makeup, I do my hair, I get dressed in something cute. It's not about what other people think. It's not about the male gaze. It's not even about what my husband thinks about my body. It's about how I feel in my body and how it performs because, oh my gosh, if you're listening to this and you're beyond just the baby phase and you have like a 35, 40 pound, you know, toddler or older kid that you have to pick up and carry around up and down stairs in and out of cars, being a mom is a workout. And that is why I wear yoga pants almost every day anyone else? (laughs) So after I had my first daughter, I was so surprised at how my body just went back to not how it was, but it looked amazing. Like I didn't even have to do anything. I just had my baby. My stomach was flat, like maybe three days later. And I was back at my pre-pregnancy weight in like three weeks. Like I was 20, I had just turned 25 when I had her. I only gained about 20 pounds when I was pregnant with her and I didn't have any stretch marks and it was just way, way, way easy. And I thought that, you know, it was like that for everybody, but it's not clearly because there's so much in the media about accepting your stretch marks and your c-section scar and your cellulite and loving your body where it's at and that brings me to my first point is that the body positivity movement while it has many great features like body acceptance just body neutrality meeting your body where it's at i feel like it can be kind of toxic because if you don't genuinely authentically feel that way about your stretch marks or your breasts, or your hips, or you know, being a jean size that's many sizes larger than you used to be, and you don't feel actually good in your body, you're just faking it till you make it, and you might not actually make it. So I think that the marketing has been way overdone for all these brands that are marketing products, clothing to postpartum women about just loving your body stretch marks and all 40 extra pounds of fat and all because that's not really realistic nor is it healthy to your your identity and just your psyche if you don't really feel that 
like there's a dissonance there and I just don't agree with that like there's many things about my body that I accept and I work on being neutral around but to say that you have to be positive about your stretch marks and call them tiger stripes or you know take photos of your c-section scar and like write all this stuff about how you wear it as a badge of honor like that's beautiful like if you genuinely feel that way about your body like that is so beautiful and yes there is this very sweet sentimental part of the changes that happen to our womanly bodies like having a c-section scar is a reminder of the sacrifice you went through having stretch marks is a reminder of how your body changed and how you held your baby and carried them and sacrificed for them for all that time you know your breasts changing being softer and hanging lower (laughs) my daughter when she was about three i'll never forget this i got out of the shower and she was watching me she goes mom your boobs are dripping. And I was like, what? What do you mean? I'm not, you know, lactating. Like, I had weaned her at that point. And she's like, down your body. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So there is a sweet sentimental part of the changes that happen to your body after you have a baby. And that's beautiful. And it's okay to strive for change and transformation in whatever ways you do that whether that's diet exercise lasers microneedling you know different lotions and potions whatever you do to change your body like there's ways to improve it and to be more in a mindset that is in agreement with how you actually feel I hope you understand what I'm saying. I am in no way saying that those changes to your body are negative. I'm just saying, for me personally, I am much happier when my body feels a certain way. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I feel puffy and bloated, like I'm carrying excess weight or excess water, or like I'm not wearing a bra and like... (laughs) I've breastfed three babies and my boobs are like swinging around like I'm not okay with that it doesn't make me feel good and the body positivity movement can suck it when it comes to to that for me so moving on <laughs> the second thing I really want to emphasize about the mom bod the postpartum body it is not about weight loss it's not about losing weight after you have a baby it's about recomposition And I am a prime example of this because in each of my three pregnancies, I gained 20 pounds, but during that span of, you know, nine, 10 months, I lost muscle mass and I gained fat every time. It's just kind of what happened, even though I was lifting weights most of my pregnancy and really working on maintaining my muscle mass. I lost muscle, I gained fat, and this is pretty universal due to the hormones, right? Your estrogen is so high, that's the proliferative hormone, it, you know, it grows everything, grows the baby. So after you have a baby, you might find that you do lose the weight rather quickly, 
but your body will look completely different. The fat will be redistributed. The muscle will be missing. For me, I lost my butt. Yeah, I know. It's like really embarrassing. I lost my butt. I worked so hard for that booty. So many hip thrusts and squats. And after I had my third baby, I had a pancake ass and I am still working on growing it back. <laughs> it's been 14 months and it's definitely back to baseline of what it was before I had my last two kids, but it is, it is the thing, you know, you lose muscle mass and you have to gain. And the thing about postpartum weight loss is that a lot of the weight that you gain when you're pregnant is water. Up to 10 pounds of the weight that you gain is water. So you will lose that quite rapidly. And then everything else just usually will come off um, over time if it's just a normal amount of weight gain, which is, you know, it depends on your body size and your genetics. But I truly believe, and I've seen this and many, 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 many women, I truly believe that the body will gain as much weight as it needs to support a healthy pregnancy without you really having to moderate yourself as long as you are completely in touch with your body and have body awareness and intuition. You know, like if you gain 80, 90, 100 pounds, there is an issue there. That is too much. I will say it, that is probably way too much for a healthy pregnancy and that it's going to be very difficult to return to baseline after you gain that much weight. So, recomposition. Which brings me to my third point, which is about nourishment when you're pregnant. So have you ever seen a mom who has a one-year-old and she is literally skin and bones and she is nursing a baby? I've seen it a lot and it happened to me with my first daughter. I nursed her till she was two and a half and I wasn't eating enough and I was working a lot and I went way below my pre-pregnancy weight and I didn't focus on building muscle, so I didn't even have like a healthy amount of muscle mass to maintain my weight. I was just skin and bones and boobs, and I was nursing, and I was so undernourished. I was, you know, I was in a bad marriage, and I was not eating enough, and I feel like in any other situation, if you see a person who has sudden dramatic weight loss or an animal who's lost weight, it's a sign of illness, right? So why is it that in our culture, we praise women who have lost so much weight after they have a baby and we just exalt them like, oh my gosh, you had a baby, you look so amazing. And they're back to their pre-pregnancy weight within weeks or they're under their pre-pregnancy weight and they look gaunt and drawn and just like the life has been sucked out of them, that is not a great thing. And we really need to focus on recovering, replenishing and nourishing. It's not all about weight. So 
after you have a baby, you might actually need to focus on putting on some weight or just really focus on eating enough for the first, you know, six to nine months when you're really breastfeeding a lot to get to the place where your body feels safe enough and nourished enough to be able to recompose, (laughs) to recompose, to lose the fat and to gain the muscle without becoming depleted. And this is what I had to do with my third baby because I was super depleted and exhausted and I could not even get... So here is my specific how to restore your womanly body after having a baby. And it really starts with working from the base up. The first thing that anyone can do after you have your baby, maybe even the first day, just laying in bed, you can do pelvic floor exercises, you can do heel slides, you can rock your pelvis, you can do deep diaphragmatic breathing. All of those things are gonna start to bring awareness to the pelvic floor and create some movement, create some blood flow, help with the healing process, and it goes in stages. So obviously you're not gonna start with trying to hold a pelvic floor contraction for 10 to 20 seconds right after you have a baby, but it's a very gradual process. And I feel like the slower you go with being honest to what level you're actually at, of course, like don't intentionally go super slow because you're not gonna get the results that you want if you don't push yourself just a little bit more each time when you move your body. Pelvic floor training is everywhere too. I mean, you can find videos on YouTube for free. There's a wonderful Instagram account, The Bell Method. Nikki Bergen created it and she has free tutorials on. I did a program by Brittany Paralay. I don't know how to say her last name, but I'll link her in the show notes called Pelvic Floor and Core Restore. And it was just this ebook that I printed out and I would take it to the gym with me um, or do it in my living room. And hers is a little bit more of like a level two, three because um, she uses resistance bands and a lot of the exercises are on your hands and knees. Um, But I feel like she really has a great program. So I would recommend hers, especially if you're past that initial fourth trimester and you're really wanting to get the tone back in your core. And she's also just this amazing mom. Like go to her page. She has two young sons and her body is insane. It's insane. Her butt, her tiny little waist, like she knows what she's doing. So pelvic floor, start with that. And then after you feel strong, like initially, The second step I would go to is working on your endurance. Um, Walking, long walks in nature, just low impact endurance exercise. It's good for you, it's good for your baby, it gets you out in the fresh air. And in my early postpartum, I would say the first three months or so, I was trying to walk at least, I don't know, I would walk like three miles a day from my neighborhood that I lived in, I could walk to the beach and back, and that was a mile, and I would do that twice a day. So I'd do at least two miles, and 
it was everything for my mental health and I really helped feel like it helped me get that strength back in my pelvic floor and my core a lot faster. Um, and then the third thing that I would do after getting your pelvic floor strong and getting your endurance back is I would start to incorporate some low intensity core exercises that are not just very gentle. I would do like Pilates, like on a mat. So one of my favorite creators of Pilates classes is Melissa Wood Health. She has an app and there's also a TV program. Like if you have a smart TV, you can download her app and you can play her videos. And the reason they're so amazing for, as a mom of three kids, five kids, four kids, I don't know. I have a lot of kids. The reason I love the Melissa Wood Health workouts is because you can choose how long you're going to do a workout for. So you can do like an eight minute workout standing at your kitchen counter, or you can do like a 45 minute full body workout. And there's no equipment ones. There's ones with ankle weights. I really, really, really loved doing like the 15 to 20 minute long workouts with ankle weights. And I would always focus on the booty and the core and the abs with the Pilates. And it really works. These tiny little movements really just wake up all those tiny little stability muscles that are kind of dormant or in like a frozen, locked, under tension, super stressed out, you know, state from holding and carrying baby. So I really love Pilates and, you know, yoga flows are great too. And then once, so this is step four, once you feel like you've got your pelvic floor strong, you can jump on a trampoline and not pee. <laughs> That's really important. Um, and you can sneeze and not pee and your core is, is good and you're not having back pain carrying your baby. Um, then I would move to weight training. And once you move to the level where you're able to lift weights as a workout, this is where the easiest and least expensive cure for anxiety and depression and rage. Did I mention rage? Because when I'm having a bad day, a bad mom day, and I feel ragey, I go and I lift heavy things and I feel so good after. So one of the things that I've recently discovered about lifting weights and building muscle um, through my research of ketamine therapy, which is an entirely other episode that I'm going to do in the future, um, it increases BDNF, which stands for brain-derived neurotropic factor, and it regulates neural development. It's a protein that has effects on the central nervous system as well as your endocrine and immune systems, and it helps you build new neurons, which means new connections in your brain, and it has been shown in many studies to enhance your mental abilities at the same time as working against anxiety and depression. So lifting weights increases this protein in your brain, which helps with decreasing anxiety and depression and regulating your hormones. So in addition to building back your muscle mass, it helps regulate your hormones. It reduces anxiety, depression, mom rage, 
and it's the main thing that's going to help you shape and sculpt your body. And I didn't really understand this um, in my early teen years and my, my early 20s when I would go to the gym. I would just go on the elliptical. Maybe I would do like a couple squats. I would do a yoga class. I didn't understand that bodybuilding means that you're shaping your body. So if you want to have like a smaller waist and a rounder butt and have like that hourglass shape and you were not born with it, you can build it. So I think that's pretty empowering after you have a baby, if you're feeling like you don't feel at home in your body and it feels like it's a different shape and you just don't feel like, what do I do with this? You go to the gym and you lift some weights and I'm telling you, one of the great things about lifting weights too is that it is accessible. You can get a set of dumbbells at one of those, you know, secondhand sports shops if they're around or at Target. I mean, Target has dumbbells for about a dollar a pound. You can get a set of tens, a set of fives, a set of a kettlebell that's like 25 or 30 pounds, a little bit heavier to start with when you're starting off because if you're starting off with lifting weights and you're new to circuit training um, you're not going to be starting off lifting the bar with plates on it you're going to be starting off with dumbbells and kettlebells and there's ways that you can make that even a home workout be very intense and you can go on youtube and there's free workouts on youtube by trainers and you can do it in your living room i mean it's it's amazing. This did not exist when I had my first baby. It didn't. I had to watch DVDs. And I think I watched like, what's that trainer? Tracy. She does like this crazy dance workout. And it was just like, are you kidding me? This is not postpartum friendly. <laughs> so lift weights. It is so good for you. And, you know, I know it's hard to work out at home with your kids around, but I feel like it really is good for your kids to see you taking time for yourself. And also, you know, it does, I know it's hard because I do it, but gradually over time you will find they will start to do independent play when they note that you're doing something for you. They will start to just eventually lose interest and wander off and find some blocks or crayons or whatever, you know? Which brings me to the fifth step of how to restore your womanly body is to incorporate joyful exercises in your routine. And this actually is not the fifth step. This is just the fifth on my list, but this really can start from day one. And joyful exercises are non-linear movements that are not goal oriented. So dancing, stretching, skipping, bicycling. I mean, not that you're going to bicycle right after you have a baby, but anything that you just love, anything that gives you joy, any kind of movement that you don't have to think about and you love. So it could be roller skating. It could be swimming, dancing with your baby in the mirror, incorporating movement in your life, not as a means to an end, just moving your body, moving the stuck energy. I think a lot of the time there are people who hold on to weight because of emotional reasons and moving the emotions out 
somatically through the body is one of the ways that you can change and transform your body. And I know that sounds really woo-woo, but I've seen people do, do this and have amazing results. It's really, a lot of life really is mind over matter, I'm finding. A lot of it, most of it, maybe everything actually. Nutrition. <laughs> I don't know if nutrition can really be mind over matter. I mean, you can pray over your food for sure, and it changes the vibration and the nutritional quality of it, I'm sure. But for nutrition, my guidelines after I've had my babies have always been the first three months, get enough calories and make sure the food is warming and warm. So warming in quality means that the herbs are like ginger, cinnamon, even like cayenne pepper, like like really warm food that's going to help stimulate digestion, which helps you assimilate nutrients better. I really followed like as close to an Ayurvedic style diet as possible those first three months. It really helps with breastfeeding and also just grounding after you open after you've opened the birth portal, it helps just bring it on down, close it down and feel relaxed and calm. So getting enough calories is super important. And this is for the initial postpartum time, like those three months, maybe even up to six months. Um, you really want to focus on getting enough nutrition, quality nutrition. Oatmeal is great. You're going to, if you're nursing, which if you're listening to this, you probably are um, getting enough calories and establishing a good milk supply and a good breastfeeding relationship really depends on your nutrition and your hydration and also your relaxation. It's really hard for the body to initiate the letdown reflex if you are stressed out. And if you're like me and you get hangry, <laughs> it's really important to eat regularly and avoid the roller coaster effect on your blood sugar. So getting enough protein is really important because all of the tissues that stretched, maybe tore, needs to be repaired after you have a baby. And when you're building muscle, if you're in the phase of weightlifting and growing your muscle mass back so you can decrease your fat mass and just reinvent your body, you really got to get at least one gram per kilogram, which is not that much, actually. It's, for me, that's only about 65 grams of protein, I think. Um, and that is not really that much. It's, it's not. It's, that's about 20 grams per meal. And that's a, that's a minimum. If you're wanting to build muscle or you're breastfeeding or both, you're probably gonna be wanting to get at least 100 grams plus. And one of the easiest ways to do that is protein powder. I love Truvani protein powder. It has very minimal ingredients. They're very clean. There's no sugar, it's monk fruit. So it's, you know, it doesn't have that gross stevia taste and it's smooth and you can just mix it with water and it tastes so good. You can also mix it in your oatmeal in the morning and you get an immediate 25 grams of protein just from having a cup of oatmeal with protein powder in it. So that's a really easy way to do it. And that's what most like professional bodybuilders, even my husband who like eats steak, he takes protein powder in addition 
to his meals that already have plenty of protein because he's he's a gym freak. He is a gym freak. He drinks this pre-workout that is called Oh My God Super Freak. <laughs> he's nuts. So getting enough protein, I know it's it's like this weird thing that you always hear, get enough protein, especially if you're vegan or vegetarian, like I am and was and kind of still am. People are always like, oh, you don't get enough protein. Well, you do get enough protein to survive as a, you know, singular human on a vegan or vegetarian diet. But if you're breastfeeding or pregnant or weightlifting and an athlete, you probably don't get enough protein and you have to focus on it. And it's not that you can't get enough protein on a vegan or vegetarian diet, but you do need to focus more on it and um, choose protein over carbs and fat pretty much every time you have an option to in order to not be having to eat constantly all day long, which is not my favorite thing to do. So... The next thing is caffeine intake. So a long time ago, I was at a music festival and I was camping next to a family and they had two young children and the mom had already been a mother for longer than I was. I think my daughter was one and a half at the time and I would wake up and just be like, oh my God, I need coffee right away. And I noticed that she wasn't drinking coffee. And I was like, do you drink coffee? Do you drink caffeine? Like, how do you do it? You have a, you know, almost two-year-old and a five-year-old and they're everywhere. Like, aren't you exhausted? <clears throat> and she gave me this piece of advice that I still think of to this day. And she said that she likes to run on her morning energy before she starts drinking caffeine. And I just think that makes so much sense because if I'm being honest, and I get enough sleep, which I am now, thank God, my daughter is sleeping through the night, seven to seven, like clockwork. Um, I'm not really tired in the morning when I wake up anymore. I do have energy. And the coffee is just like this habitual thing. Like you just want that warm grounding beverage when you first wake up. And it does give you a little jolt, but if you think about it, and you wake up in the morning and you jolt yourself with with caffeine, you're increasing your cortisol and your stress. And then you have this like steep incline of energy and then it drops off. And for me, it usually drops off around noon or one and I get really tired. And that's when I go for the second cup. But what if instead of doing that, you just woke up, wrote on your morning energy until you actually felt like you needed it and then had your first cup of coffee around or tea or mate or whatever and had your first cup of coffee, caffeine, I mean, around noon or one. That way it would still wear off in time to go to bed at a decent hour and your hormones would probably be a lot happier. And speaking of hormones, my sixth point when it comes to your postpartum body or your mom bod is checking on your hormones because Oh my God, this is such an issue that if you are in the mainstream Western world and you go to your doctor after you have a baby, most likely they're going to tell you everything's fine and they won't run the labs that you need. But I'm telling you, after you have a baby, 
get your thyroid checked. Do the full thyroid panel, everything. Reverse T3, T4, T3, TSH. Usually they only test for TSH, but you really need the big picture. So get your thyroid checked after you have a baby because that alone can be a huge factor in you know, preventing weight loss or fat loss really is what we're talking about here, right? So I have noticed this phenomenon and I know many, many women have this experience. After you have a baby, everyone tells you, if you breastfeed, the weight will just fall right off. You won't even have to try. They'll just suck the fat right out of you. And ah, this happened to me. My first baby, it happened. And my friend, one of my close friends, this also happened for her. So when it didn't happen, when it didn't happen the second time, we were like, what the fuck is happening here? This is not, this something is wrong, right? <laughs> so for my first baby, I was 24, 25, and I was younger. And I was younger, and it just came right off. My second baby, I lost the initial 10 pounds of water weight, but then the 10 pounds of fat stayed on. And I was researching menopause. I don't know why, it's just I was interested in what I am looking forward to in you know 15 years, 10 years, 15 years, I'm 34, so it's still a ways off, but I feel like that's the one area of women's health that I don't really have all the knowledge about. Um, I went to midwifery school and I have a degree in women's health and midwifery and I know everything that there is to know about pregnancy, babies, conception, cycles, menopause. You don't really learn a lot about the hormonal shifts that happen. So I was, I was reading about it because I was really curious about you know, what to expect. And what I read was that women who are in menopause, the reason that they have trouble losing weight, specifically losing fat, is because your fat cells actually work as estrogen producers. So if you are in a state where your estrogen is low, your body is going to hang on to the fat cells to produce estrogen because you're not naturally producing it. And as a woman, you need to have estrogen. You need to have a healthy balance of estrogen and progesterone. And when you're breastfeeding, your estrogen and your progesterone are flatlined, but you still need some, right? So I think, this is my hypothesis, I might be wrong, but I think this is the reason that some women do not lose weight as easily because their estrogen ratio is off I don't know, I don't know if I can properly articulate it, but I hope you get what I'm saying. The reason that the fat hangs on is because the fat is producing estrogen and you need it, which is why often when you wean your baby and you stop breastfeeding and your estrogen levels go back up naturally, you can lose the weight. And this is a phenomenon that happens over and over and over and many women will attest to it. So I think I might be right with that. Uh, the next thing I really wanted to talk about is estrogen dominance. This is really common and one of the main causes of estrogen dominance is because our world is so freaking toxic and you're getting estrogenic 
chemicals, endocrine disruptors from our water, from all the plastic that the food is in, all the chemicals from the body products. If you have not done like a thorough detox of your medicine cabinet, your bathroom cabinets, your cleaning closet, I mean, if you're if you still have products in there that are toxic, your body is seeping those into your fat cells to store them to protect you. And then your estrogen is becoming really high and your progesterone is low. So it's important to detox the estrogen, excess estrogen out of your body. And I recently did a Dutch test, which is a hormone test you can do through a functional medicine doctor or a naturopath. And it will show you all the different, oh, it will show you all the different types of estrogen you have in your body and the ratios of them and how much. And I found that I'm not estrogen dominant, but I do have too much of the bad type of estrogen, which is like, it has the number 16 in it. Um, so that's kind of alarming. I'm really hoping that that will regulate after I wean my baby completely. But if you're curious about what your hormones are doing postpartum, and especially if your cycle has come back, because, oh my gosh, I want to talk about a mind fuck, um, breastfeeding and having a period at the same time. For my first baby, it took me a year until it came back. And then my second two, it came back at four months and then at three months. So not only do you have super low estrogen and progesterone from breastfeeding, but you also have a little mini roller coaster cycle happening month to month because you're on your period. It's wonderful. So what I've been doing to help detox my excess estrogen is I occasionally have taken a supplement called DIM, which is D-I-M. It stands for diindolylmethane. And it's actually naturally found in cruciferous veggies like broccoli and cauliflower. So if you tolerate those, you could add more of those to your diet. And then adding in a carrot salad, a raw carrot salad. It was this thing that was going around on the internet for a while, especially among the pro-metabolic people. Um, but eating a simple raw carrot salad once a day will help detox ex excess estrogen from the body. And I've actually been doing this for about three months now. And I do notice a decrease in my estrogenic symptoms, which for me is like anxiety and insomnia because estrogen acts as the gas in your body and progesterone is the brakes and you need both and you need a good ratio of them in order to feel at home in your body and good. So um, I've also been taking dandelion um, in the form of like a coffee substitute tea. It's called um, Ticino. They make this dandelion blend that has dandelion and chicory and it tastes just like an herbal like nutty coffee blend and that can help detox your liver and if you don't know the liver helps process hormones so it's important to keep it clean um, another thing you can do is to take glutathione either as an oral supplement or um, get an iv of it <laughs> which is a little bit hardcore sounding, I know, but it is the most effective way to do it. And I've noticed very positive side effects from doing that. Just more energy, less brain fog, and less anxiety. Because my, my main thing postpartum is anxiety. It just 
really amps up and I have a whole episode on that. It's going to be called the anxiety episode because I feel like um, I am an expert in that department. <laughs> All right. So this brings me to my last tip for the mom bod. And I have a lot of tips. This is actually like all the things that have helped me. So the morning after you birth your baby, you also wake up to a new self. You've birthed your new self. And it's a physical, mental, spiritual transformation. And this for this episode, of course, we're talking mostly about the physical, but it's a time for reinventing yourself. And if you've noticed, a lot of women get haircuts or dye their hair or do crazy things to their hair after they have a baby. And a lot of it is because you lose a lot of hair <laughs> sometimes. But I think a lot of that is just, it's the easiest, most accessible way to reinvent yourself, to look totally different and kind of match up with where you are in your life. So don't be afraid to try new things. Get a haircut, dye your hair, and reinvent yourself. Um, don't look back at old photos and lament. I am so guilty of this. It's so bad. I'm sure you've done it too. You just look back at those old pictures and think about how hot you were or how, how amazing you looked or, you know, don't do it. It's not worth it. And you know what? In the future, you might be looking back at the photos of yourself now and thinking you looked amazing. So take all the photos you can, do the mommy baby photo shoots, do the family photo shoots, take selfies alone in your room, do a boudoir photo shoot, really just appreciate this moment because it's so temporary and your body is changing and it's just going to continue to change the rest of your life. So why not? Why not? You know? Get new clothes, do a clothing swap. If, you know, budget is an issue, you can do a clothing swap with some friends. I used to do that all the time. I was constantly doing clothing swaps. Like I literally would always be driving around with a bag of clothes in the trunk of my car for a clothing swap. That's how often I did it. And I would always just be switching it up and wearing clothes for my friends. And it was, it was great. I still have a lot of those clothes actually. You can also, you know, reinvent yourself in ways that don't really have to do with what your body looks like. It could be like getting a new perfume. And this is one of the ways that I've really connected to creating a new identity. I just always like upgrade to like a new fragrance because I feel like, you know, scent is the closest sense tied to memory. So if you're going to be wearing like an old scent that you used to wear, before you had kids, it's going to kind of just put you in that mindset. And I am in no way advocating toxic perfume. Like I'm not talking about Estee Lauder <laughs> or Dior. I'm talking about like very eco-friendly, phthalate-free, you know, no crap fragrances. So the ones that I like, there's a company called Sigil, S-I-G-I-L. I love their fragrance. And then also Wild and Woman. They have so many nice essential oil-based perfumes and I think that's just a really nice way to kind of elevate your I don't know I'm a Libra in case you can't tell I love like making things look beautiful and feel beautiful and 
you know, ambiance. I'm all about the ambiance and fragrance is one of them. Um, you can also reinvent yourself with like new activities, like trying out a new dance class, an adult ballet class, belly dancing. I mean, I've actually been wanting to get back into roller skating. I was a figure skater when I was a kid and a teenager and I haven't really had the time or the space and there's no ice rink where I live. So I have to like find like an empty basketball court and childcare and time, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen one of these days. Um, just do something that is new. You know, this is a really, really potent window right now after you've had a baby, even if it's been five years, you know, your postpartum is forever and you get to choose when, you know, you've, you've made it to the other side, right? And maybe you never make it. Maybe it's just a process of becoming every single day that you wake up as a mother, you know, but I said in an interview that I did a couple years ago, I was telling the story of my story of my second birth, I think. Was it? I don't remember. But I told the woman that was interviewing me that I didn't feel like I truly became a mother until my first daughter was about four years old. And that's how long it took me to fully accept my new identity. It took four years. So that's normal. It's normal. Like I didn't feel like I still felt like a child. I still felt like a like a teenager. And, you know, now that I have a almost 20-year-old stepdaughter, um, I look at her and I'm just like, I thought I was so old when I was that age, when I was in my 20s. I thought I was so old and I had everything figured out. And now I'm 34 and I just feel like I don't know shit. (laughs) It's like the older you get and the more you learn, the more you learn that you don't know anything. And that's what I'm just going to leave you with, that thank God that we are given this divine, sacred window of time to reinvent ourselves, to recompose ourselves, our bodies, our muscles, and to just reinvent ourselves. Like this is, this is a potent time and it's not a time to be down on yourself. It's a time to be empowered because it is an amazing thing how our bodies can change. I mean, when I was pregnant with my third baby, I had that classic everything out front, basketball, belly. I mean, it was so far out there. I was afraid it would never go back. And guess what? It did. (laughs) So I hope that this little episode on the mom bod was helpful. I hope that you got some very specific tips on how to make change if that's what you're wanting to do. It probably is if you're listening to this. And... I would love if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts. So to do that, go to the episode page, click the five star symbol, and then click write a review. And I would love if you could just leave a sentence about what you thought about this episode. And it really helps get more women who need to hear this out into the world. I'm probably gonna have to re-record this because I've just gotten like seven text notifications on my computer. Oh my God. Well, maybe I won't edit that out because you know what it is? It's the mom group text and it's 10 o'clock and it's going down. Oh my gosh. Okay, I 
gotta go. I will see you guys next week. Actually, I won't see you. You will see me. I'll be posting about it on Instagram and you will hear from me next week. And I would love to hear from you. Let's make this a community. Let's keep it a conversation. And thank you so much for listening. I know how valuable your time is as a mama. And it just means the world to me that you take the time to hear what I have to say. So that's goodbye for now. It's hard to say goodbye, but goodbye.